0: Our Old Testament reading this morning is is from the book of the prophet Habakkuk in the second chapter, beginning at verse 9 and continuing through verse 11 as it is printed correctly in the bulletin, not so on the, the readings, It is verses 9 through 11. And again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Woe to him who covets evil gain for his house, that he may may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of disaster. You give shameful counsel to your house, cutting off many peoples, and you sin against your soul. For the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the timbers will answer it. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. The New Testament reading for this morning is correctly noted on your reading insert. It is from 2 Timothy, the second chapter, beginning at verse 8 and continuing through verse 13 again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is sure. If we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. The word of the Lord is always free. That is the point Paul is making to his apprentice Timothy. At the outset of this passage, from his second letter to his friend, who is also in Christ's service, the genie is out of the bottle, and it cannot be put back. Unlike many other things, even the apostle himself, the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot be constrained. This is not a new revelation, but... It is worth recalling the same timeless truth was observed in the days of the prophet Habakkuk, which were hundreds of years before the earthly ministry of Christ. Stones themselves can offer witness. They can testify against man and they can testify for God. In the gospel accounts of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, we hear that on Palm Sunday, the crowds were making such a racket, praising God and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord that the Pharisees had enough and told them to pipe down. And Jesus said to them, look, if all these mouths were closed, the rocks themselves would start to sing. The Pharisees have not been the only ones who had wanted to silence the message of God and His Messiah, but none could, and even those trying to do so today will find that they cannot. It is this free message that Paul has faithfully served To a servant as a servant of, for lo these many years, in comfort and distress, in times of ease and in times of trial and trouble, in cities and towns and countryside far and wide, he has been privileged, he says, to be in Christ's service, everything he has done, and all the tribulation that he has gone through since his conversion, has been to the glory of God and for the benefit of his fellow man. Knowing Timothy as he did, it stands to reason that Paul was writing him under the assumption that he too shared this deep conviction of the gospel and this strenuous yet rewarding work of its ongoing proclamation. As a fellow evangelist, he is reminding Timothy of some basic Christian doctrine. In Christ, he says, we are a new creation. The old life has gone and a new life has begun. We have died to self and we have been made alive in Christ. As heirs and co heirs of Christ, the new life that is available through him has now begun. Even as we retain our mortal flesh in a mysterious pre-resurrection state, there may be many hardships that we have yet to face. But through the power of the Spirit, we have been given all that's necessary to endure. But woe to he who does not cling to the good news of Jesus to him who renounces the lordship of Christ. For one day, we will all stand before the judgment throne, and there, we will rely on the mercy of our mediator, the one whose atoning sacrifice makes possible the forgiveness and restoration that are otherwise unavailable to us, the one whom we have either accepted or rejected, This is the truth of the gospel that Jesus proclaimed and lived. This is the truth of the gospel of the church as his holy bride. But, Paul concedes, that the extent of the faithfulness of the bride does not affect the faithfulness of the husband. No matter how true or untrue the church is to God, God has always been and will forever be true to her. This is both a a remarkable observation and a pillar of the Christian faith. For despite the way that the people of God may lose trust in Him, it cannot be said that His nature has changed. Any change, for the better or for the worse, is done on the part of the people. Considering this divine attribute of eternal persistence. The 19th century preacher, Charles Spurgeon, wrote these words, and here is another sweet thought. Christ's love to his church and his purpose toward her cannot change because he cannot deny himself and his church is himself. And then he goes on to write, the day comes when the Lord Jesus Christ shall receive his perfected bride and meanwhile he cannot change toward her but his espousals shall be confirmed. She was taken out of his side when he lay in the deep sleep of death and she is fashioned to be like him so that when in joy he shall behold her, his joy and her joy shall be full. No, he will never, never deny her, for he cannot deny himself. His plan of love shall be carried out and all his thoughts of grace fulfilled. For the church, our story has, as they say, a happy ending. If one reads the words of Holy Scripture from the opening chapter of Genesis To the closing chapter of Revelation, I don't think one can help but see how God's plan for God's people indeed does have a happy ending. The faithful, in other words, have nothing to fear, for God is on their side. But because they are claimed by Christ as his bride, he will not put her away. You may recall how Jesus once responded to a question regarding the Jewish practice of divorce. Yes, he admitted, there is such a provision made in the days of Moses for the weak flesh. But it is not the way of the life to come. Jesus, living in and inaugurating this life to come, would not divorce his beloved church, though it contained individuals with no faith, no trust, and no obedience. He is described in the letter to the Hebrews as both the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. As parents, many of us may have experienced at least a hint of what God must have to endure with his people. Our sons and our daughters They are our beloved offspring. They are our inheritance. And they look to us for an inheritance. Though the formulas for distribution may have changed since then, Jesus knew well of the practice of passing down blessings, both tangible and non-tangible, which were a familiar part of Jewish family life in his time. In our own experience, once we have initially created a will, it is not unusual for us to revisit it at a later date as our life circumstances change. It is also not unheard of for parents to alter their wills based on a change in relationship with their child or children. Even simply the threats of revocation of an inheritance is a powerful tool in the arsenal of those with substantial estates. On the flip side, children can forsake their birthright, as did Esau for a bowl of red stew, and Prince Harry for a wife and a life in California. This is the way of the world. It is not, however, the way of the maker of the world. No, God will not disinherit the church on account of her faithlessness but will await her purification. This unrelenting faithfulness of God is what's behind Paul's insistence that God will not and cannot deny himself. He has begotten the church as Spurgeon beautifully tells so he will keep her through thick and thin for better And for worse, a 17th century English Puritan, he was a a non separatist minister by the name of Richard Sibis, explained it like this. He said, The sun shines as clearly on the darkest day as it does on the brightest. The difference is not in the sun, but in some clouds that hinder the manifestation of the light thereof, so God loves us as well, when He does not shine in the brightness of His countenance upon us, as when He does. So, even on our worst day, our most cloudiest, God does not shut the door on us, He's given us a lifetime to return to Him. He isn't about to force us against our will, but He does give us an awful lot of time and space to receive His grace and to act on and in accordance with it. This has set me to wonder, if God can put up with so much from the church, well, can the church put up with so much from the world? I don't mean to imply that that we give the world a bye and wish them luck so that we have it easier. I think scripture is quite clear that we are to be salt and light who continue to engage with and witness to the world with the good news of the gospel. The same one that Paul is proclaiming as he writes this letter. Now, it may be difficult, both for the church and for the world, but the work is necessary For his trouble, Paul reminds Timothy, he's been brought through and is going through some pretty tough times. In the ongoing struggle between the church of Jesus Christ and the powers and the principalities of the world, the faithful are assured ultimate victory because the one who is perfectly faithful is true. God is true to the church, and God is true to himself. So though Paul is persecuted and imprisoned and eventually will be martyred for the cause, the word of God remains vibrant and free. The bearers of the gospel, you and I, the body of Christ, the church, we may be less than faithful. And the world that we are sent to enlighten, it, it may certainly be so as well. But that doesn't change the character of the Almighty, who continues to remain steadfastly faithful. And for that we may truly say, thanks be to God, and Amen. Amen.